0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Amber App. Amber is a revolutionary iPad point-of-sale system that can be used at a restaurant, bar, coffee shop, or food truck. For more information, visit amberapp.com.
2: Good morning, you're listening to In The Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and we are coming to you live at 10 a.m. from Roberta's Restaurant in the shipping container. You guys can't see it, but it uh, the inside of the shipping container actually looks like a wooden cabin. I've never actually described this to anyone, but it looks like a, a, a log cabin complete with uh, a taxidermy wild boar and <laughs> i think it's uh only uh only appropriate uh for today uh we have a good friend of mine um the uh the wine director for the the whole uh group of daniel bolu restaurants um the Dynex group uh, my good friend uh daniel Jonas is here uh welcome Thanks Joe. It's and, great to be here. And uh the reason uh the reason I, I think the, the bore might be uh, a little bit appropriate is I always think uh one of one of my favorite restaurants in uh in your group is um is uh the Cafe Boulou and uh and all the the sausage. Uh, I'm I, I, sorry about that. Barbelude and oh, all yeah. this. It's hard to keep track of them Yeah, sometimes. I know, especially <laughs> with the Balloon name in every one of them. Uh, but the barbelude and all, all that great sausage and uh, charcuterie, and uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, I love
3: Wild Boar also, and it always reminds me of a story. Uh, I was having dinner at a winemaker's house down in uh, the Languedoc, Laurent Vallier, who's the uh, owner and winemaker at La Grange des Pères a superb property down uh, in uh, Anyan, in the dog. And every time I go there for dinner, he's roasting something in the fireplace, spit-roasted, and then they take it out and carve it, and it's uh, absolutely spectacular. So one day he's serving us. He tells me it's wild boar. I said, mmm, love that. He said, yeah, I ran over it with my tractor, <laughs> <laughs> threw it in the freezer. <laughs> so here it is. <laughs> I said, well really getting close to the land with this one. So it was great. It was really, uh, you know, I think that's what I love about uh, going to France and visiting the winemakers in those regions and, uh, you know, the, the culture and just the personal contact brings so much life to wine. So um thank you for having the board here. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I we'll
2: get into your, some of your favorite wine regions in a, in a little bit. I uh, especially I know you especially have quite the love of uh, of Burgundy, but I want to dive in a little bit to uh to some of the restaurants that uh, that you work with. You know, the, the name Daniel Balou is uh I think just high quality um is the first thing that comes to mind. I've been to all of the Balou restaurants at least in in new york and then recently one in uh in florida and in, in palm beach and what always strikes me when i go to one of the restaurants whether it's the the fanciest danielle or uh even dbgb around the corner is the quality is always high but everyone is uh it seems warm and happy and approachable and it's not it's not as stuffy as uh as you can imagine uh as someone might imagine uh
3: well, you know, Daniel Boulou is uh, one of the warmest uh, uh, friendliest people on the planet he 's also incredibly intense and energetic, and uh, nobody has more energy than danielle and His focus is extraordinary on uh, perfection uh, quality, and I think that that 's a an attribute an attribute that um, that trickles down to to the rest of the staff and uh, i 'm on the corporate level, and the corporate uh, people in the organization are um, you know, it's infectious, and uh, so when you, you see the boss who's got that attitude, then everybody strives to, to reach the same level of uh, accomplishment and perfection. And I remember when I first got interested in this business, I remember going into uh, Lutes, the great Lutece, uh, you know, the great Temple of Cuisine uh, owned by André Soltner, and I remember seeing him walking around, and there was no greater restaurant, French restaurant in New York than Lutes. And I was so overwhelmed, and I, I that set me off on this journey pursuing, uh, you know, just knowledge about French food, and then eventually wine. And I always wanted to reach for the best and and learn from the best. And I I try to talk to our sommeliers in that way, and everybody uh, that, you know, you may not get there right away, but if you're not trying for the best, then you're just going to be ordinary. You're never going to improve. So, you know, and that's what happened with Danielle. If I wanted to work for another chef after leaving Moreshay, I only wanted to work with the best. And I feel that that's what I've accomplished because there's no greater. You know, I think that his his food is great, but the combination of food and personality and warmth um, is everything that uh, I strive for in a dining experience and certainly in a uh a work experience and and i just want to add with with danielle of course he's a great chef and food is his his world but he's also a lover of wine and i would not have been able to take on this role of wine director if i didn't think that i had the ears of the chef uh listening to me and the influence that i could bring to the organization uh w- regarding wine and and whenever we have a meeting. Uh, over a wine dinner or an event or something. He's all ears. He's not dictating to me what they're cooking, find the wine. I'm dictating to him, saying these are the wines we're serving, and these are the characteristics, and this is what we have to watch out for, and this is what, you know, and the whole team of chefs are there listening, and it's like this real uh, riffing session. It's like a, it's like a jamming session. It's, it's absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, you know, I always say that the wine is the sauce that the, the chef never gets to taste. So... Mm-hmm. You can completely change a dish by having the wrong wine with it. You can have a complete, uh, you know, perfect dish, and then it goes out into or you know, puts a, pairs it with a wine that just doesn't make any sense, and it can clobber the dish. So it's it's exciting that you guys have that kind of relationship. Well,
3: you know, and, and he understands it's a team effort. To satisfy the guest, it takes the whole team. It takes the back of the house, the kitchen, it takes the front of the house, the dining room service, and the sommelier, and putting it all together... You know, I mean, uh, the the Super Bowl was won by a team. It wasn't won by one one player. Unfortunately, not the team I was rooting for, <laughs> but <laughs> but. Uh- you know, at Danielle, it's a team. It's a team effort, and uh, everybody's really, you know, trying to hit on all cylinders to, to make it work.
2: Now you have some some all star team members uh, working with you. Um, certainly, Mike Madrigal and, and Raj uh, Vaida, who actually is my neighbor, who lives in my building. Right. Um, but how how do you work with that with and 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 many more? But how do you work with those various beverage direct wine directors? Matra Smalley's yeah,
3: So well let me just ask you with Raj being your neighbor instead of going over asking for you know a little salt or some sugar or something you go over and ask for a bottle of Riesling or <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i would tell you the day that I moved in I didn't I didn't even know that he was uh living in the building he uh, we're we're moving in we'd been up since 5 a.m. and <laughs> Raj walks he's, he like opened the door is half open and he comes in he's like Hey, neighbor. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> he's like, You want a bottle of wine? So he, we're unpacking all of our stuff. Raj brings down some old uh, 78 Riesling, and he's just sitting on our couch. We're drinking Riesling. Well, he's drinking Riesling. We're taking a sip while unpacking. <laughs> like he's the most comfortable person in the world. <laughs> and it was awesome, and it hasn't
3: changed since then. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, you know, getting back to your question, I think that. Yeah, I'm really lucky that uh, to be surrounded by such talent, otherwise I'd have to work a lot harder than I do. (laughs) Um, You know, these are talented sommeliers who have experience and real uh, warmth and understanding. And I think that more than anything, they have passion for wine. And not only passion, it's one thing to have the passion, but to also be able to communicate that passion without being... Uh, oppressive about it. Because, you know, sometimes a sommelier could come to the table and just keep talking and not stop talking. They're so passionate. But you have to be part psychologist also when you're going to a table. And these guys, whether it be Blue, uh, up at Cafe Blue, or Raj, over at Danielle, or Michael Madrigal, and even the team of uh, sommeliers over on that corner, 64th Street, at Bar Blue and Blue Sued. You know, you've got uh, Ronald uh, and and uh, and Eduardo and Christine and and Michael, who's leading the team, and uh, they all have a you know their own personality and their own knowledge and their own tastes, and but but they they know how to look at a customer and know what they're looking for and measure them, and then of course you've got Carry downtown at uh, DBGB, which is a little more funky program and some interesting things, a great emphasis on beer. And um,
2: and their, your whole team at DBGB, are, they're sweethearts. When we were opening up La Picho, there were, there were times where, you know, your linen delivery doesn't come or what, whatever it is. And they're like, is anything you guys need, just, we're, we're always happy to help out. And so they've been like, it's just such a sweet, nice group of people yeah. you work with.
3: Well, it it's, shouldn't be competitive with a neighbor because um, the more people that come into the neighborhood, the better it is for everyone, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So um so I, anyhow, yeah, I'm just real lucky to have uh people who are talented and and able to really communicate and you know, we work together as a group also where I will you know, initiate some things or some ideas and and uh they'll take they'll take the ideas and run with them. And they become their ideas. You know, and that's really what I'm looking for, it's to improve um make the, make it exciting make it give dimension to the wine service, not just you know here 's the menu the wine list, and pull a cork and serve it so that 's that 's the challenge for me to try to keep it exciting and lively and we have a number of programs that we are always trying to do, like Michael Madrigal and the big bottles uptown that 's ongoing that 's i mean that 's exciting
2: i 've you know I follow him on twitter and i 've <laughs> i 've taken Taxis and change my plans for the evening based on <laughs> bottles that he's opened that evening. That's truly, <laughs> truly exciting.
3: He tortures some people by saying one glass left. <laughs>
2: oh. oh man, yeah. So definitely, I would follow Michael on Twitter. And if you're anywhere near, I mean, he opens up just amazing wines and gives them away. Just like here, take my incredible yeah, wine. Well, yeah, pretty <laughs> much
3: at <laughs> cost, and it's it's, uh, it's promotional and it's to pull into the restaurant people who are like-minded about wine and want to have an opportunity to taste a great bottle. Um, And it's a glass. I mean, it's one thing to spend $25 on a glass of wine, which is not inexpensive, but that same glass, if you were to order the whole bottle, you may be talking about a couple of hundred dollars. So I think that the restaurants, all of our restaurants, do serve some really fine wines by the glass as well. Yeah. you know what it's like sometimes you go and you have a bottle of red wine but say oh i want to start with a nice white but i can't drink a whole bottle or even a half bottle i want a nice glass
2: and it's rare to find a, uh, an extensive uh half bottle list yeah uh, and so to be able to have a great just like a great one glass without having to commit to a bottle is is pretty special so now you, you guys have restaurants in in several different states and different countries do you have a uh a normal work week or are you, what, what's your, what's a normal week like for you?
3: Oh, for me. <laughs> well, I, 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 don't travel, uh, that far to the other restaurants. I, uh, to Asia or I've, I've been to London and I've been to Canada, but, um, you know, my work week is in New York and I start early. I start around seven eight o'clock in the morning, uh, to get a head start. I have to communicate with France quite a bit. So that's a good time of day to get them just after lunch. Um, and then I really focus a lot on what happened the night before, looking at what happened at the restaurants the night before. And then um, in the afternoons, I like to go up around the restaurants either to a, a manager's meeting or to visit the sommeliers and see what's happening at the restaurants and just have contact with the sommeliers because I think that not being on the floor anymore on a regular basis, I you know, it, it, it's difficult for me to be... Out of that situation, I spent so much time in that situation on the floor in contact with the, with the consumer that it's I really enjoy going up there. Like last night, I made it to DB, Danielle, Barbaloo, and Boulou Sud. You know, I mean, it took a while and I spent some time at each one, but it, but it was great to, you know, the, almost like a, you know, give a pep talk and say, say to the someone, What'd you sell tonight? and what's so and so drinking? Oh, that looks like a nice bottle. And, you know, I think it keeps them engaged also. So that's, um, that's fun. That's fun. So,
2: um, so during the days, so are you doing meetings with your various sommeliers? Is that like a weekly ongoing thing or is it when you have no, time? No, and- it's,
3: it's, it's sort of like what's, what's um, no, it's not, there's no schedule. And uh, I've never been able to schedule in my life. I mean, much to the <laughs> disappointment of some people, but I can't uh, stick to a schedule. I, I think I have a really good sense of timing and know what needs to be done, and I do pay a lot of attention to that when, when necessary. Um, but, you know, I also have an import company, so I pay attention to that uh, at, at, uh, all the time. And uh, as you know, and we were going to talk about this also, I organize a big burgundy festival called La Pole. And, uh, and I
2: definitely want to hear all about La Palais. I'm super excited for it. But let's take just a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll, uh, we'll hear all about La Palais. Perfect. Here.
1: You're listening to Cryin' Blues by the California Honey Drops on Heritage Radio Network.org. like to send a special thank you to our latest business member amber point of sale at amber point of sale their mission is to help food service business owners take control of their restaurants bars or cafes amber is an easy to use point of sale system that allows you to take orders tableside process credit cards run reports and manage inventory all through apple's ipad and without spending tens of thousands of dollars on a system too complicated to use To learn more, head to amberapp.com, that's A-M-B-U-R-A-P-P.com, or give them a call at 888-770-2205 to discuss what Amber can do for you. To learn more about becoming a business member, email us, info
2: at heritageradionetwork.org. And we're back on in the drink on heritageradionetwork.org. org. I'm here with Daniel Jonas, the wine director for the Daniel Balloon Restaurant Group, and um, also the the owner of uh, Daniel Jonas Imports, um, an author, contributor, sommelier, and uh, and also the organizer of the uh, the La Polée of the uh, in the United States. So. Um, Daniel, we're we're just about to get into, uh, and I'm sure that I that I forgot quite quite a few of your other accomplishments, but uh, but we were about to we're about to talk about uh, about La Polée and um,
3: uh, and please take it away. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's a it's a great joy for me to organize this event. Um, but you just mentioned a few things that I do, and, and that's just about it. that's all I do. I don't do anything else. Although I do try to uh, be a a father and a husband also. and You know, I always feel like I'm not really doing anything well because there's so much and I'm torn in a lot of directions. But, you know, I was talking about teams before, and the teams that I have um, are what make it possible for me to do what I do and try to do the best I can. And, you know, I mentioned the team at uh, Danielle, and they're just extraordinary. And uh, the team behind me on the pole is what really makes it successful. I've got uh, people in the office. I've got uh, Bethany Kasich and Max goldberg Lou, and my wife, Sally. And I have Jamie Dutton, who's living in Boston but is able to work remotely and and is like a powerhouse, and Amanda Goldberg, who uh, lives in France, in Provence. And she's key also because she's done it – she and Amanda uh, and Jamie have done it for about five, five or six poleas. And um, it's because of them and their support and their amazing focus, concentration, and organization that it comes off. Because I'm an organizational disaster. <laughs> 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 Everyone's happy when I'm not there, I think. Uh, but again, I think I have a good sense of timing and I know what has to be done. And I have a sensibility on the field that I want for the event. So the polé is really... Um, for those who don't know it, and many people don't, it's, uh, a polé is a term that applies to a harvest celebration that takes place in Burgundy at the end of harvest. And the uh, the polé de Merceau is an event that was, uh, that popularized the polé itself. A polé takes place at every individual domain celebrating the harvest. But uh, the great-grandfather of Dominique Lafont, Domaine des Comtes Lafon, um brought the whole village of Merceau together to celebrate. And it gradually, it gradually grew into this, uh, this, this, this major Burgundian celebration, La Pole de Merceau. And um, being a friend of Dominique, he invited me to it once about 10, well, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I was so in love with it, of people just bringing wines, winemakers bringing wines from their cells to share with family and friends. And um, it became this long afternoon from 12 noon till about 6, 7 o'clock at night of eating, drinking, talking, sharing. And it really distilled, for me, it distilled what the wine experience should be. It's about getting together without the pretension and just sharing and bringing people together. And I've always attempted to do that through wine dinners. And when I saw this, I said, let's try to do... Something similar to this in New York, La Pulley de New York, which was in the year two thousand, and it's gradually grown t- to the point where it's a major Burgundy festival, a major Burgundy uh, wine festival.
2: You have, uh, you know, all these great winemakers coming to town, collectors sharing incredible wines, sommeliers, chefs. Mm. Uh, it's a, a truly. Exciting, exciting event, and uh, I'm uh, honored to be uh, to be a part of it as a, as a sommelier and um, and as a uh, uh, you know our opening the opening night at, is going to be at uh, at La Um Yes, it's <laughs> truly, I mean, humbling and and uh, and exciting. How is the how is the event grown over? years from uh, from the from the start to today?
3: Well, it started very small. Nobody knew what this was. Nobody really knew what a pole was. And nobody was that comfortable about um, paying to come to dinner and then bring their own wine. Because it, it's never been an inexpensive event. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, this tremendous amount of overhead with chefs like Daniel Boulou and Michel Toigreau coming in. We've brought in other French chefs and so on. And... Um, it, the first year was a financial disaster, and the second year was uh, financially difficult. And then, you know, we we were able to make it work and improve, uh, I think, on the comfort for the winemakers and the guests and expand the program. Um, but it's important for me to say also that it's not only about the elite, the 1% of Burgundy and the Grand Cru, although this is what has made Perhaps the reputation of Burgundy, the great bottles of Morachet and Latache and Romani Conti and Musigny and so on. But it's important for me to emphasize the lesser known wines of Burgundy, made by really dedicated, serious winemakers, the off the beaten track wines, whether it be a Bourgogne Rouge or an aligote or a Saint Romain wines, great burgundies that people can drink every day, because that's what most of Burgundy is. And it shouldn't be perceived as only these elite wines that one may never get to taste, unless they come to the Polay of course. <laughs>
2: yeah, so when your strategy for finding a... Uh a burgundy at a more approachable price would you go with an off the beaten path appellation or maybe the entry level wine of a great domain one of my favorites is one of, one of your wines the the Macon Village from La Fon, I think is just such a great value and and, it's great wine and a, just a, and a great wine
3: and a good friend of his well Dominique me, introduced me to another guy who makes a Saint Romain which is not well known Alain Gras and this also, I mean, it's 100% Chardonnay, as is the Macon. And they give you sort of a, a, you know, a wink towards Merceau. You know, it doesn't have the depth and the complexity, but they're wines that you can drink all the time and not feel bad about just pulling the cork and having a couple of glasses and then having more the next day. Or maybe you're even going deg- to deglaze your pan when you're sautéing some fish or poultry or something. So that's, I mean, that's the idea. I want, I want wine to be accessible uh, and not this like painful experience, like oh my god i 've got this you know five hundred dollar bottle, and who am I going to share it with, and is it the right time? Is it ready and could I have sold it at auction it shouldn 't be like that so are you still
2: doing uh events? One of the things that I thought was really cool last uh, last time was some of the events where maybe you're, you' you don 't have you know over a $1,000 to spend on this uh, this dinner, but you can maybe go to some of the events around the, the Palais. So, what kind of events are you doing this Well,
3: year? there are a lot of, uh, there's, there's some seminars, there's some tastings. We're we we we're doing one event without any wine whatsoever. and just introduced it yesterday uh, because we got final confirmation the whole thing. It's called um, A Conversation with Aubert de Vilaine. And Aubert de Villene is the co-manager of Domaine de la Romani Conti. And it's going to be just a A talk with him at Danielle. um, $250. It's going to be breakfast and a very intimate setting to talk with Aubert de Villene. And I think that's cool. Uh, We're doing a tasting um, of uh, what we're calling the outer boroughs of Burgundy, which are some of these off-the-beaten-track appellations. And to answer your question, I don't really look for appellations as as much as I look for producers. You know, I think that wine is a crafted product, and I think that you should look for the best craftsman. So that's that's what I look for. And there's another thing that uh, we started this year. We actually launched it in San Francisco, but very quietly, just to see, you know, if we were going to regret what we were getting into. But it went well, and this year we're doing a Burgundy Week, La Polée Burgundy Week, which is to expand... Uh, the, the notion of, of Burgundy to the entire restaurant community in New York, not just during the Palais, but, and you're participating, I think, at Amphora. We'll
2: be participating in Amphora, sure. And
3: there are, I think, about 30 or 40 restaurants throughout New York that will be serving uh, wines by the glass or Burgundy by the glass, pairing menus, tasting menus, and uh, flights of wine and such. So I think that for about a week from, I think we said February 26th to March 9th, which is more than a week, but let's just call it a week. <laughs> it's going to be a long week. Um, uh, Burgundy should be flooding the streets of New York. I, I mean, I think this is
2: great because I, you won't find uh, a sommelier out there who doesn't truly love Burgundy, but at the same time, there, there's a perception that it's something that's really expensive and you know, exclusive. Um, But I think one of the things that we, that we like about is that there are very few medium to large size domain in Burgundy. It's mostly smaller producers, very site specific, Terroir-driven wines. They seem very. A lot of producers are making well-crafted wines, as opposed to yeah. Bordeaux, for instance, which has more of an impression of something a larger, you know, larger estates owned by foreign investment and, and that sort of thing. So I think it's just a it's a great thing to be able to introduce people to to Burgundy that you can actually drink that's uh, at an well, affordable price.
3: That's the idea, yeah. and, and also by having Burgundy Week, you have like an army of sommeliers who who are similar minded and, and and want to share the Burgundy with their um, consumers. And hopefully by this, uh, this mass of, of, of people in promotion, it'll help dispel the image of Burgundy as being elitist, like Bordeaux. And I'm a little afraid that it could be going in that direction because prices are so high and quantities are so low and the demand is so great uh, all over the world. Asia is a big market now as well. That it's important to reinforce that there's great value Burgundy and it's made by farmers who get on tractors who really, you know, you can co- connect with. So hopefully this Burgundy Week, through the, the support and communication of sommeliers like, like you and your team and, and everybody else, that the consumer will see that, uh, hey, Burgundy, you know, I don't have to have $1,000 or $500 to enjoy it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we, we've, we've had it by the glass, and, uh, and uh, I'm excited also because this will give me a, a chance to refocus and find, I think we'll, we'll be doing like three or four Burgundies by the glass during Burgundy Week, so this will give me a chance to refocus on it. Great, great. Um, and I, I'm
3: going to, let me just say, I yeah. know we're running out of time, right? Yeah. Um, I, get, I just want to, you know, get in a plug for what we're doing at the Dynex Group. The rest, we've divided Burgundy into its regions of the Beaujolais, Maconnais, Chalonnais, Chablis, and the Côte d'Or, which encompasses Côte de Beaune and Côte de Nuit. And each restaurant will be specializing in that area. So DBGB will be doing Beaujolais and a Beaujolais sausage. And then uh, at bleu we're going to be doing flights of Chablis and wines from that region, and so, and so on and so forth. So you can go to each of these restaurants, and fill there'll be a, a little... Link, if you email me with this card, ask the sommelier if you go to those restaurants and you could win a chance to have dinner in the, di- the Skybox at Danielle for two people with our compliments. Wow. So, wait,
2: they explain that.
3: <laughs> I've heard about the
2: Skybox. I've never been in the Skybox. Well, the Skybox
3: sky box is like the inner sanctum. It's right next to Danielle's office. You go through his office into the box overlooking the kitchen where you've got 30 chefs, you know, masters uh, putting out the food at Danielle. And so you get to sit there and watch the show and enjoy a meal for two. But you have to dine in one of Danielle's restaurants and fill out this form and submit it, and you may win.
2: (laughs) Uh, Is it true that he still has dinner there Sunday nights? Is that...
3: (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't invited me. I don't know.
2: Well, you know, one thing I, I just want to say is there there's an idea in the, in the industry, in the, the restaurant industry that, that the, that a really nice sommelier and a, a new young enthusiastic sommelier who's, who's not stuffy is, is a new thing, but uh, Daniel Jonas has been doing it for, for a lot, for a lot longer than, uh, than anyone else. So um, really uh, it's just such a pleasure to, to have you here and uh, definitely someone that I, that I, I, I look up to and I, I learn every time that, that, uh, that we chat and also someone I, I enjoy just hanging out with. So Thanks, Joe. It's an honor to have you here, Daniel. Um, and thank you all for listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org.